I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and First Nation people of the land on which this podcast has been recorded. For me in Melbourne, Nam, Australia, it's the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and communities and pay my respect to their culture, elders, past, present and emerging. Hey gorgeous, are you ready to turn on the light switch of your soul and live an authentic, radiant and unapologetically pleasure-filled life? I'm Penny Vandersloos, I'm a pleasure activist and adventurer, feminine empowerment coach and a conscious creatrix and connector. I'm also a wife and mother of two teens and host of this podcast, Turned On, Wild, Free and Sexy in Your Midlife. Hello, welcome, Mom and Chica. This episode is on the power of your pussy, pelvic floor, and pleasure. A topic that a few years ago, there is no way I would have come onto a platform like this and said the word pussy, let alone explored it in this way. And so I invite you, if you're feeling activated by the word or think, why would I want to listen? to put aside your judgment and consider that there's a way we can reclaim this word, really embrace it and understand that it's a word that represents a whole new way we can relate to this part of our body. So today I'm really excited to have with me Heidi True. She is a sex and intimacy coach, a longtime yoga teacher who specialized in pelvic floor health and the founder of True Intimacy. She works with individuals and couples, helping them to thrive in their sex and intimate lives, finding connection and pleasure through their her transformational coaching. Heidi coaches both online, on Zoom, and in person in a holistic therapist clinic in Elstonwick in Melbourne. So Heidi, welcome. It's exciting to have you here today. Hi. So Thank Heidi, you for having me. My pleasure. And Heidi and I are going to be talking about the power of pussy, the pelvic floor and pleasure. Heidi, tell us a little bit about... Mm, What turns me on is um, I think it's living all of, doing all of things, living a full life. So really allowing yourself to feel everything rather than just choosing the bits that are good or just the bits that are appropriate or just the bits that are happy but really like just embodying everything that comes up. So, you know, grief and sadness and anger and all of the things, the disappointments, just actually feeling rather than pushing them away. So that's what I think brings me into a turned on place is by just really being in my body and feeling it all, whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter as long as I'm feeling it. And I think that's actually where we and what we're passionate about have realised a lot of us don't do that. A lot of us aren't interested in finding the difficult parts or the bits that aren't pleasure-filled or the parts of our bodies that don't feel uh, embraced as much as the other ones anyway. So um, Mm. the whole part, embracing it all is is such a beautiful place to be and we want to encourage other people to do that. When did you sort of realise that that was an important part that, discovering the shadows and looking into the shadows and the parts of yourself that weren't as popular or weren't as easy to look at? I think in a way it always was. I'm just one of those really emotional people that, um, you know, quite um, demonstrative in my emotions as a kid and as a teen and um, in, you know, in my earlier years as well. But then what happened with, with me was that I, became a widow so my partner got sick and after a few years of um, being unwell with cancer he died and the grief was so overwhelming I could have pushed it away and just soldiered on but it just kind of happened to coincide with lockdown and menopause and all these things and I literally couldn't do anything but um, grieve and the depths I got to in that process of just feeling every 
fiber of grief and all the different nuances of my emotions and the, the joy and the, all of the love and all of the things was just so intense and it just got me to like like shifted something in me and I became even more embodied I, I was already but I was like solidly stepped into myself in in all the elements of me not just the the cute bits or the nice bits but the the seething crazy goddess energy of being alive you know just that that mark and shit really <laughs> all of that was there inside me and I I accepted it and took it on and that it just did something I've never been the same since <laughs> and what a gift that is right now that you've been through and emerged you've got these amazing skills and experiences to share with people and I guess one of them was mm. This awakening, I guess, of your ability or interest in helping women connect in with their pelvis, their pussy, their sensuality, how to embody. But it was not just women, too, it's men. <laughs> you know, how, how do we get yeah, yeah. this part of our lives? Well, when, you, when you're really in your body and you're really feeling everything and you're allowing, accepting everything, you'll notice where there's a bit stuck. And this is, you know, in very somatic way, we keep... We keep stuff in the tissues of our body. We keep things in our muscles and our joints and our different organs and things, but especially in our pelvic floor, we keep traumas, we keep memories, we keep shame, we keep negative kind of things and also some joy and stuff. And there's plenty of laughter in the pelvic floor as well. But there's a lot of, I know it sounds mad, but we actually keep our repressed emotions in our tissues, but especially in our pelvic floor. Because the pelvic floor is, absolutely enervated like it's got so many nerves the pussy has got like tens of thousands of nerves but within the pelvic floor muscles as well there's all you know the major nerves come down and through and of course if there's nerves there that means it's our nervous system so when we have an experience let's take something lighter like let's say in high school or primary school you you wanted to laugh in history class and you weren't able to laugh so you repressed that and that repressed laugh has to go somewhere and it may go to your pelvic floor. So when you're working with your pelvic floor, all kinds of weird stuff comes up like laughter, tears, grief, uh, a lot of nausea and uh, disgust and shame and all this kind of stuff. So this is the process that I went through and the grief was that I found all of this repressed stuff in me, all of the grief I'd ever held on to, all of the anger I'd ever held on to, all of the love I'd ever held on to, like it was all there in my system. And so through pelvic floor work, so I'll just backtrack a bit and say that at the same time as all this, I went through menopause and my pelvic floor just suddenly started to not work properly anymore. And so I was doing the work to rebuild the um, reactivity of my pelvic floor rather than it wasn't weak. It was overly tense. I wanted to make it move again. So the work that I was doing was releasing grief, uh, anger, laughter, love, all the all of the things through through the uh, physical work that I was doing. Sounds kind of crazy, but this is the if people have heard about the body keeps a score, this is what we're doing. We're looking at what's being trapped in the body. The body holds on to stuff that hasn't been processed. The nervous system, if it's unable to finish a whole cycle, like let's say you tripped over as a kid in high school trip fell down the stairs or something and you just picked yourself up and walked away because you're embarrassed now that's in your body because you haven't cried you haven't gone to your friends and said oh my god this happened and cried or you know you didn't get help for this rather shocking thing that happened to your body you hold it on it's in your system and it needs to come out so the nervous system is just waiting for that opportunity to let these things pass through and the cycle to finish and the cycle you know the stress cycle to kind of be resolved we can go through our whole lives holding, storing all this stuff up and never, like just getting tighter and tighter and less and less um, able to feel. So we really need this chance to kind of go through stuff. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of the work I do with people. Which mm. is amazing, but I'm also hearing in your personal story, it comes up when you have to deal with it because you've, you're grieving from yes. you know, your partner and menopause is coming along and, and raising it to your awareness. But for people listening, some of these things may not occur to you because 
you don't have to deal with it right now, but it's still happening. So, you know, this is where I think this conversation is really important is for us to know, just like you point out, things in our past, we've kept a score. You know, it is in our fibres and in our tissues, yes. in our body. And so this work is something that we can start now. We don't have to wait until everything does stops working in our body or, you know, there's an emotional. Absolutely. Much better to do it preemptively, prophylactically, even, you know, knowing that we're, we're storing more and more stuff. And, the, and some of the signs of it might be that you stop feeling. You stop feeling your pleasure. You stop feeling your joy. You stop feeling aliveness. You've got numb spots or maybe like um, your heart doesn't open anymore or you're not enjoying food as much anymore or you're just not like feeling the liveliness of life. Or on a sexual thing, your orgasm's not there, or you're not really feeling pleasure, or you're feeling shut down, or you feel numb, like literally numb in your, you know, in your pussy or anywhere in your body. That is a sign that you're you're kind of shutting yourself out from from the stuff that's there. What happens with perimenopause and menopause, and it happen, it can happen just after having babies as well, and it can happen to some women in in um, in adolescence, but the shift of our hormones opens this fertile ground for doing some work. So when estrogen drops in perimenopause and then in, in menopause, basically estrogen protects us, protects us from feeling, protects us from realising that things are not how we want them to be. It protects us from, um, it kind of makes us accommodate everyone else rather than ourselves. So when, you know, you just when you have a normal uh, menstrual cycle just before your period, you might get angry or sad because the estrogen drops and you go, oh, my God, I'm so angry and all that kind of stuff. It, menopause is kind of like that in that suddenly you're like, oh, my God, I've got my, my uh, estrogen-coloured glasses are off and now I'm actually seeing my relationship for what it is or my life for what it is. And then, of course, with the cycle, estrogen kicks back up and everything's rosy again for a bit. And then the end of the next month, you're like, ah, oh, this again. And it's that's kind of um, poaching yeah. you for menopause. So at the end of your fertile years, when you go into menopause, you actually, your reality is much clearer. You've got those estrogen colored glasses off, even if you're on HRT, because that's only a small dose. And you're suddenly like, oh my God, I have been serving others all my life, or I have been ignoring this, or I'm not feeling, or I want to be this and I haven't been able to. And this kind of power that comes up is really, really amazing. But at the same time, all the shit that you've held on to comes up. So all the repressed emotions and all the grief and the even the, you know, repressed child parts of yourself and stuff. So you can see women, you know, some will run off and shag everyone or others will start to be really playful again and others will start a new career, which is what I did, or... Um, you know, like start a, a beautiful new hobby that like really enriches them that because they're no longer held back by the people-pleasing aspect of, of estrogen. So it's a really powerful time. And that's when you can really address all the pleasures of your life and really bring that back in because you've dealt with all the, the gunk that you've been holding on to. Yeah, which is, I mean, in other conversations I've had around this too, in menopause or pre and post menopause, how important it is in, in processing all this stuff that's coming up and it's not just about memorizing mm. it and getting rid of it and there's something wrong with me. This is, like you said, it's part of our cycle and it's part of this part of our life cycle as well that it's important we understand that that's normal. It's okay. It's meant to kind of happen that way. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's a really powerful thing. Actually, I was speaking to someone, a guy today in a shop, and he was just saying, you know, what can you do about low menopause? And I'm like, well, you know, it's if it's at the right time of your life, why would you want to change it? <laughs> I'm much more stable and happier now than I was when I was going up and down with PMS all the time and, you know, all that kind of drama. Now I'm like this lovely, even kind of flow rather than this up and down like a roller coaster. And so even I think, society and the, the world in general thinks oh my god women when they lose estrogen they become, become monsters <laughs> because suddenly we're like we put our foot down and we're like no I want this and it's just it's actually beautiful because it's like being a young girl again you get back to the hormonal levels more like the hormonal levels you were before you were just before you you know in the twins you start to your hormones start to 
you know, do something in your tweens and then into teenage, you get into that little girl again. So you've got more kind of uh, playfulness about you, which is really beautiful. You have the experience of being an older person. You have so much as your estrogen anymore, you're kind of liberated <laughs> from all of that worry. You don't care what people think of anymore and things like that. However, the thing that estrogen does do back to the pelvic floor is that it tends to suddenly show up as pelvic floor issues because it does protect our joints and it does protect our tissues and our fascia and our connective tissue. And when you don't have estrogen, you suddenly, especially with those great drops that you get in perimenopause where everything just kind of up and down, things that are there physically in terms of like scientific kind of physical and anatomically are going to show up. So scar tissue that you had from birthing, it's going to get irritated pelvic floor weakness is going to come up or pelvic floor tension, which I work with a lot. So a lot of women have pussies that are holding onto so much tension. They're constantly feeling gripping or pain, pain during sex, pain after sex, inability to have sex without pain, like exhaustion kind of feelings. And then on the other side, more like pelvic floor weakness with prolapses and incontinence and stuff like that. All of that can be fixed with almost all of it, like 90% of the time, you can fix or greatly improve it just through targeted exercise and work with a jade egg and crystal wand and things like that. So anyone's listening that has a prolapse type thing going on, don't just go off and get it fixed by the doctor without trying to do this stuff first. It's, it's amazing what you can do with some targeted exercise and yoga practices and stuff. It is a part of our body, like we've talk to where we hide stuff we don't want to talk about it it's a bit embarrassing we don't know what other people in this same age group are dealing with so we just kind of keep it to ourselves until it really bothers us or you know it becomes a problem and I guess in talking about Mm. what is our pussy and what is our pelvic floor because some of the information we get is and I remember when I had children it was like you know you've got to work on your pelvic floor it's got to be fixed and it's got otherwise you'll have incontinence problems later but we were talking to maybe this isn't the only way to understand it there's a beautiful way you can relate to your Mm. body learn about your body and be aware of it and listen into it and that may not work for you (laughs) there's all ranges of ways of looking after your pelvic floor and learning about your pussy and understanding it so maybe before we get into that could you talk to us a little bit about you did allude to what the pelvic floor is, but you know what is the availability and opportunity for us when we know what is pussy and what is our pelvic floor and why is it so important in our lives? I'd love you to talk. Well, us. I'll start with pussy. And <laughs> so pussy, I use the word pussy a lot and my teacher, Layla Martin, does too, and a lot of um, people who are in this field do use it more because Yoni is a little bit more mystical and a little bit more spiritual. Pussy's a little bit more down-to-earth. Um, people don't like to say the word vulva they just hate it they won't say it and this and when you say the word vagina you're getting it wrong that's just one little part of pussy so pussy's more all-encompassing she's cute she might be a bit furry she's nice to pat she purrs she likes to be pleased and she's a little bit haughty and standoffish if she's not getting her own way and she can actually like you know invite you or scratch you if if she needs to as well so that kind of idea that that it's kind of a powerful part of us I like that idea and it's kind of a term of endearment as well if we get away from the idea of it pussy being weak which of course it's not I mean pussy encompasses the the uterus and the uterus is one hell of a strong muscle it's just incredibly powerful so this whole part of us is so powerful and it holds so much energy it's the second chakra of our um energy system and it's it's our creative energy it's our um, life force it's it's our ability to bring forth things into the world whether they're babies or businesses or um, art projects or beautiful gardens or whatever that's where we get that energy from so if we're blocked from it and shut down from it or shamed by that area or pushing it down like a lot of my clients will call it down there they can't say even the word vagina it's just like called down there as in like oh don't want to go down there that kind of thing you know when you're at the gynecologist's office and they put the sheet on your knees so that you can't see what they're doing it's just terrible so this kind of shame blocks you off 
not only from the creative aspect, but actually blocks you off from knowing what's right and wrong in yourself. So knowing when something's up, knowing when things need to be addressed like pelvic floor strength or pelvic floor flexibility, if you're too uptight, that kind of thing within the pelvic floor. So the pelvic floor stretches a band of muscles like a sling and it stretches from the pubic bone to the tailbone and from the sit bone within the buttock to the other sit bone. So it's like a, a hammock and it holds our pelvic organs. If it's too tight, too overly uh, strained, which a lot of women after babies will overtrain, it holds everything up and you have a lot of symptoms of um, that you would think are pelvic floor weakness. Basically, if you've got a muscle that's completely contracted all the time, it can't be strong because it's already really, really tense. So if you put any load on it, like a sneeze or tripping down a stair or stepping on a piece of Lego in the middle of the night or whatever it is that makes you jump or fall over or um, cough, you know, coughing fits and things, even though you've got a strong pelvic floor, it's, it hasn't got any more room to grip. So then, you know, you might um, wee or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's the same as having a weak pelvic floor. So weak pelvic floor is too low and the, it's, the organs are pushing down. We want to have a pelvic floor that's like a trampoline and it actually bounces. So it, when you inhale, it actually stretches down. And when you exhale, it lifts up. And so that's really how we want to be, have a reactive pelvic floor. And Can I just stop there? If, I think one of the first things you were mentioning yeah. there is that the tension and the overworking of your pelvic floor, probably most people aren't aware, is actually not a good thing. <laughs> it's not helping us. And could That's right. And it. it's a dysfunction. It's probably even more common than weakness in the pelvic floor these days because people know to, to do the kegels or whatever. Well, kegels are not a really good way of strengthening the pelvic floor. Unless you have a really intense prolapse, they're not going to do much for you except for overworking muscles. There's so many other things that I teach my clients, like um, bridge lifts and various simple yoga poses that will tone all the muscles of the pelvic floor and then the muscles that support those muscles. Mm -hmm. So that you're not just relying on the pelvic floor, but also your glutes are working and your um, hip flexors are working and your psoas muscle and all the things that kind of are in that area of the pelvis. Rather than just doing a few squeezes and expecting that to actually lift the pelvic floor it's ridiculous so so I tend to only teach kegels to people who I don't want to say lazy but are, are so unlikely to do any other kind of exercise that, that they'll only remember to do you know a bunch of kegels in the car when they're at a traffic light or something and that's just as a last resort it's much better to like move your whole body mm. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you. The thing about the pelvic floor and sex is really important too. If you've got a pelvic floor that's overly tense, you're not going to, you most likely will feel pain during sex, but you also won't feel pleasure because you're basically pulling the, the sensitive nerve endings are kind of like being blocked by being so tense all the time. So, you know, just like if you've got a really sore neck, after a while, the neck will just stay in that sore spot, but you won't feel the pain as much of your neck anymore, but your neck's still out. That's what happens internally as well as that these muscles get so used to being kind of contracted that the sensation will back away. And so when you're having penetrative sex, you won't feel as much in inside. So a lot of women will say that they don't have any sensation inside. Our pussies are actually incredibly capable of the most wide variety. We've got so many, it's like eight different beautiful pleasure spots within, within our outside and in and so a lot of people aren't feeling that because they've either got the weakness of the pelvic floor which won't contract or the you know overly toned and stuck energy of the pelvic floor which also won't move in orgasm or in pleasure so a, a muscle that's like fully tense can't get the blood flow in and a, and a muscle that's very weak also won't get the blood flow in so those are both pelvic floor dysfunctions that cause lack of like sexual pleasure. Yeah, so I'm hearing too that um, if you don't, if you're experiencing this as a listener, that 
something's not wrong with you. It's just there's an opportunity there to allow, you know, with some exercises and support and stuff, a whole new um, opportunity of pleasure because you can bring in blood flow or you can support your body and all its functionality because it is allowed to do what it's meant to be doing. And if you're not experiencing that, there's something in the way. So it's about getting curious and this is part of this conversation, which is awesome. Yeah, and that whole pelvic area is where our feminine, you know, life force is and and it needs to be by, it needs to be in flow. Like women have to be in flow, otherwise they're kind of doing the masculine thing, which is more kind of stable and rigid and things like that. And they, they do their own thing and they're great. We love men, but we want to be, you know, we want to be kind of in that flow state where we're, we're reactive and we can move with things rather than against things. And that is actually embodied in our pelvis. So to have a pelvic floor that's able to kind of move and the muscles to glide over each other and everything to be in, in a good state and all that kind of stuck tension of all those years of repressing, repressing stuff is all, you know, able to move out of us. Even the, even having sex can be a healing experience because you can actually, if you're really embodied and really slowing down and feeling things, whether that's sex, uh, you know, with a person or, you know, with a toy or something for yourself, you can actually move through some of this stuck stuff and let it out in sex. So you can have a laugh orgasm or a crygasm or an angergasm, which I'm having a lot of those at the moment where I just, I have this certain kind of orgasm. I'm just so angry. so there's just some layer of anger coming out in the last few weeks for me and it's just so you can use pleasure to release the the tensions that we have stored up in our body and look some of my clients don't want to talk about sexual pleasure even though they come to an intimacy coach and that's fine they don't want to go down there so the pleasure might be other kinds of pleasure you know like other kinds of touch or other senses dancing smelling roses all the things like sensual that lead them into something more sexual later so it doesn't have to be you don't just go straight into the the hardcore kind of self-pleasure practices it can be can be much more gentle than I'm making it out to be (laughs) well I think it's about Mm. beginning where you're ready isn't it and like you said some people it that's a no-go zone for now, but by invitation and starting, mm. you can feel comfortable, the, you know, definitely the best place to begin. I wonder if you could share a little bit about how we can start to and how you work with people to get become related to their pussy and their pelvic floor. Like if it's, it's not something they've had experience with, how do you start to, I'm not suggesting you can give them the answers right now, but like what is the process of beginning to create a relationship? What are the tools that we can use to begin to learn, get interested, get curious, start to Yeah. Learn? So the first thing is to really like do a mindfulness practice where you drop your attention down into your pussy. So what I usually do is say follow the breath, just as if you're doing a mindful breathing, you follow breath down through your nose, all the way down through your lungs and as if that that your breath can go all the way down to the base like to the perineum and if you're relaxed if your pelvic floor is relaxed then you will feel the pelvic floor very slightly drop on the inhale so so many people think inhale means squeezing but no that often is the problem is that they're squeezing on the inhale you inhale and your pelvic floor naturally drops. So you go with that and then you exhale and then it naturally pulls back up again and squeezes naturally of its own accord. So when we have a proper good breath, our pelvic floor is being um, strengthened and released, strengthened and released with every, or released and strengthened, released and strengthened with every breath. So that's one good thing to start. And the other thing I do with people is I I ask women to just um, cup their vulva with their hand and maybe have the longest finger just touching the perineum so that they can sense it and then do that breath again so that they can actually feel just the slightest little bit of pressure as they're inhaling and then it slightly lifts on the exhale. And you know that if that's not happening, that your your pelvic floor is either 
very weak and doesn't move, but more likely it's very tense and it's stuck and it's unable to kind of react with your breath. And that can, you know, that means you could be constipated, you could have gut issues. I mean, you could have period pain issues. There's just so much. It just it's way bigger than just pelvic floor. It it affects your breathing. It affects anxiety because you're breathing up in your chest because you're unable to drop the pelvic floor. All kinds of nervous system stuff, panic attacks and things like that. So, like, it's huge. So if we can really focus on getting to know our pelvic floor and and feeling it the pussy you know the pussy we you know we think we're talking about the vagina and the vulva but we're actually talking about the whole pelvic area we're talking about the the ovaries we're talking about the cervix and the uterus as well that whole area is the pussy and so as you're breathing you're you're trying to sense that you're trying to feel what you can feel get more in touch with it that's when things like shame might come up and that's a lot of my clients I work the very first thing is like looking at that shame not wanting to go there not even wanting to think about you know that anywhere below their navel so yeah and another thing that's lovely to do is just at night when you're going to bed is just cup your hand over your vulva and go to sleep with your hand just connecting maybe one hand on your heart just as you're going to sleep or one hand on your vulva just connecting with this incredible sacred part of us that is our feminine life force and is so uh, kind of unknown territory, you know, like there's so much incredible potential for pleasure and power and creativity and um, strength. It's really, you know, we, we have babies. It's like there's nothing more, there's nothing more incredible that we can push a baby out of this area, make a baby, you know, to, to start with and then push a baby out of this area. And then things, you know, things go back to fairly normal afterwards. Yeah. So it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, what mm. I'm hearing is there's this beautiful sacredness that for a lot of women potentially even listening, that hasn't even occurred to them. It's only a very sexualized part of your body or it's it's got a functional part like, that's where we weave from and, you know, that's the the place where we bleed from so we need to worry about it every now and again. But it's not necessarily something where you can really tune into and consider as as part of whole of who you are. This is this is not just a thing. It's mm. who you are and how, how can you start to create a relationship with it? And I really love that invitation to, you know, sleep because sleep's really sacred. Sleep's that really private moment with yourself and to introduce a relationship with your part that we're, we're forgetting about. Let's be honest. We're not valuing it nearly as much. Absolutely. As we- and people just don't, yeah, don't have a relationship with it. And I mean, just think about the amount that we spend on our face, you know, with our makeup and our facials and our teeth, getting our teeth done and, you know, um, jewelry and all the things like, you know, that could cost money. And we put a lot into our face because it's what faces the world. But if we like could do something similar, give that kind of nourishment to our pussy, she, because she's got her own voice and she's got her own like character, she's going to love it. Like we, <laughs> I've got a friend, she will text me. She goes, oh, my pussy went shopping today. And I was like, what did she buy? And she's like, she bought some bling and she, <laughs> she bought a toy and you're like, all this kind of stuff. It, pussy has got her own kind of, wonderful energy and in my work a lot you you'll actually find that she's got a voice she's often got a name she's got a very 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 clear yes and no which we often override you know and we throughout all through our younger life we have overridden her nose um you know like even just going to the gynecologist and them not really warning you what's about to happen things like that that all lodges in the system so being empowered to be you at the gynecologist saying, oh, actually, can you wait a minute? I need to take a deep breath. Or can you warm up that speculum and all that kind of thing? You know, that she has got a very, very, very clear sense and we override it because we don't can't hear her. Once we can hear her voice, our whole life is bigger because we've got this extra um, agency in our, in it, that we're carrying with us, you know, an extra part of us is online, which is really beautiful. 
And that's that power that we're talking to as well. It's this ability for us to use the wisdom and the intel that she's giving us to help guide us as well, to to inform us. I'm not quite happy with what you're doing with me right now. Can we like, let's explore this a bit more before we go any further. So to really, you know, there's um, yeah a, a real opportunity to consider this. This might feel way out of your comfort zone to even consider this, but that there's opportunity in relating in your own way with her, but to actually learn from her wisdom and what she's got available to you um, is a real opportunity as well. Absolutely. And if we keep ignoring her and that and the pelvic floor and the whole power that's there, it's eventually going to catch up with us with something being suboptimal or something going wrong or real disconnection, especially like in the bedroom. That seems to be when women have just ignored their pussy and had maybe um, had penetrative sex before they're ready, which is pretty much everyone ever pretty much any woman I've ever talked to has had penetrative sex before she's been ready, um, like being fully aroused and really ready. Every time we do this, it kind of offends our pussy. Until the end, she's just going to go, no, I don't want this. I don't want sex. I don't want to even touch you. I don't even want you in my bedroom. I just don't even want to be here anymore, that kind of thing. You know, it, so they they shut down from their partners, their, their husband or whatever. Um, and also that can actually physically manifest as, recurrent yeast infections and UTIs and most dramatically as um, vaginismus, which is when the pussy actually, the pelvic floor muscles clamp shut and nothing, not even a um, Q-tip can, nothing at all, not the smallest little thing can't go inside the pussy at all because the muscles are completely clamped shut. I work with that quite a bit with women just to work out why this has been happening and what, what their pussy is saying no to. And um, it's a long process, but it's it's pretty much the only way to, to cure vaginismus. You can't do it through, uh, you know, brute force. You have to be very gentle. So, yeah, it's really important to start to consider her as soon as you can because otherwise, in the end, just like a cat, she's going to get pretty haughty and back away. And, and just not have anything to do with your pleasure and your sense of self and your agency. And then you're not living your fullness. So, yeah. You know, a couple of things that I'm really thinking and of when I've had conversations with women too is when they're almost a bit, again, like disconnected, like I'm so annoyed, I've got all these symptoms, like in menopause or, you know, it doesn't work for me, I've switched off, sex doesn't feel good anymore. Or, you know, there's this real um, all or nothing and when it's not working for you, it's not, it's not anger, but a bit of frustration and stuff. So it's just like if you were frustrated, you want to be listened to. So we're actually inviting women to consider that mm. there's a real opportunity to start listening into why would it be doing that? What 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 is it? When, when did you last take notice? And I loved what you shared about how much attention we put to our face. Like imagine if we put that equal amounts of attention into our pelvic space, into our pussy, what imagine what could open up, like what what that might deliver for us. That's exactly right. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm putting my moisturizer on my face at night, I'm quite loving with my touch. I can't just slap it on. I'm, you know, I I and if if you could if we could do that kind of loving daily touch on our pussy, but not to the point of like having to go somewhere with it, but just really like honoring, honoring that part of us just like we honor the parts of us that we say we like you know we should like all of our bodies and I teach breast massage a lot as well and that is another thing that we need to honor more is our breast area so I've got a, a workshop coming up uh, the 12th of August and it's called listening to the sacred pelvis so it's just a, a short kind of primer for this work it's just a couple of hours and it's just for women to come along and start to tap into the, the inherent wisdom and nature of their pelvic area. And that's in Elston Week at the Bigger Picture Clinic. So that's one to three. How can they connect with you? And what would be some of the first sort of steps they could take? Yeah. So I think always it's the um, 
you know, a seed is planted and then it takes a little while for people to go, oh, actually, I need to be doing this. Um, that's what I, I normally find is that, you know, they begin to realise that there's something kind of quite big missing in their life and they're not feeling vibrant. So I work mostly on Zoom, but also in Alston Week once a month um, in person as well for people who prefer that in-person kind of contact. And I do coaching packages for women, for men and for couples. And usually it's a mixture between kind of somatic work, meditations, uh, actual physical exercises, journaling. There's all kinds of things that I do that help you really a lot of it when you're actually with me on zoom a lot of it you've got your eyes closed because you're kind of going into your body or what we call the body mind and working out what's been repressed and how you can release it or how you can accept parts of yourself so kind of inner child and shadow work and stuff goes on as well and you can find me on i'm most active on um, instagram so that's true.intimacy i'm a little active on facebook that's uh, Heidi True, True Intimacy, and my website is HeidiTrue.com. Awesome. There's so many books and things you can read as well, um, you know, of all kinds of ones. You can really, um, any of these kind of feminine embodiment um, books are really good. You know, you just could pop feminine embodiment up in um, Google and find some books to read. But I think what the one of the most important things is that connection that I was talking about. Start with connecting. And see what happens from there. So really start with like a physical touch. doesn't have to be sexual. Start to connect with your pussy equally that you would to other parts of your body. And really start to bring your attention to the area over and over. And that will start to build those neural pathways in your brain so that you start to awaken this part of your body again. So I'm hearing too, it's not just sexually there'll be benefits it's also you'll feel vitality and the whole turned on which is what this podcast is about it's about recognizing this is part of our energy system and our whole part of our purpose and reason for being here and and if we ignore it and we don't allow this part of our body the attention that it desires and deserves and requires that it'll it'll flow through to our life so this is an opportunity to realize that it doesn't have to be dysfunctional but it needs attention in order to yeah process what's coming through our body all the time otherwise it becomes this dumping ground Mm, absolutely yeah to have that numbness in your in your life means that you just don't really have a full life and I think we've only got this one precious life and this is what I think I really learned in my grieving process was that life is just so precious that we don't want to hold back from any of it we want to be able to embrace everything, and that includes that energy that we hold within in our pelvis. So, yeah, we want to be able to seize it all, and we're only here for a short amount of time, so we want to really, really seize everything or, you know, experience everything that comes our way. And it's not too late in your midlife. You know, it doesn't matter what age you are, there's always a place and an opportunity to start somewhere and where it feels right for you. And there's always amazing people like Heidi to reach out who've got depth of experience and and an ability to work with you and walk with you through whatever it is you need as it as it comes up. Yeah, just on that, actually, that midlife is the perfect time for it because it's when you're ripe for this work. It's to do it earlier in life, it's okay. But to do it like to do it, you know, I'm talking maybe early 40s up through 50, 55, 60, that, that whole area is when we are most ripe for work on ourselves. It really is the time where we've, we've, had, so we've got so much experience. We've held on to so much. It's time to kind of process stuff. Mm. So it's, it's not something wrong. This is actually the time to do it. You've, you're in the right time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Exactly. There's nothing wrong. (laughs) So, yeah, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Is there something that when you hear and work with clients, you're like, oh, I just wish women in their midlife knew this one thing or, you know, could come away from this conversation understanding this about themselves? 
I immediately think of something much more sexual and that is just the fact that so many women don't realise how long it takes us to be fully aroused because we're fed this idea through media and through thinking that we're just um, hairless men or whatever, you know, that we're, that we're like men without a penis, which we're not, we're completely different, is that we do take a really long time to get aroused. It is, it is a... 30, 40, 50, 60 minute process. And that might not be even, some of that might not even be sexual. Some might have be just having things be in place. Like maybe you need the bedroom clean or the dishes done or the, you know, everything sorted or whatever. That is part of the arousal process. Kissing shouldn't just be just a, you know, a perfunctory peck. It needs to be really long, like long kissing is what, really opens a woman's heart and opens a woman's pussy and makes you much more ready for play, which is a terrible word because anything is sex, not just the things that get you ready for penetrative sex. It's very patriarchal. Foreplay should go for a really long time and slowing down, not trying to be ready, but just actually enjoying pleasure and seeing penetration as just an aspect of sex, which you may or may not need to have in any in any sexual time that you're having that is not the uh, the goal for sex and just knowing that women just take a really long time to be ready to know that you're really ready means you absolutely desire to be penetrated if you're not absolutely desiring it and it's not just your brain but your body is desiring it then you're not ready and you need more time so that's something I like to teach women is just that you know, they think, oh, it takes me so long and all this kind of stuff. Well, no, that's how we work. We're a slow cooker. Men are microwaves and women are <laughs> slow cookers. <laughs> and in later life, luckily, men become more, much slower themselves and they actually start to meet us in our needs. Mm. But the quickie is really not designed for women. Mm. It's really very much, if we really want to get to full pleasure, it's about slowing down. And I think your answer to that really reminds us how the spectrum of sex and what intimacy is and, and sexual pleasure is very broad and encompassing of all the things like feeling safe through to, you know, feeling into your own body and noting, knowing what your body is desiring moment by moment. And there's no kind of end goal and only one reason that you you create those opportunities with people. It's mm. much mm. more. Yeah, take the goal off the plate. It's just not, yeah, why have a goal when you're doing something that's so fun? Yeah, the whole thing <laughs> so is pleasurable. <laughs> well, what's the rush? Um, so, yeah, thank you for that. And I think yes. it's a lot of this <laughs> space and what you've been doing here today is debunking myths that there's only one way, you know, to look after your pelvic floor, for example, or even labeling our parts as vulva or vagina and that there's we can embrace it and reclaim these words and mm. discover these parts of our bodies and the power that comes from that because it's empowering when you don't have to feel shame and embarrassment about yeah connecting with this part of your body like you may have been trained and expected to to feel so Hopefully listening here today has given you motivation or insights or some ideas or connection with Heidi or a reason to, to really believe that this is a valuable part of your body to connect into. And on that, sometimes the things that kind of shock you or make you feel a little, little bit funny about our conversation today is probably where you need to be looking. <laughs> That's usually the way. If it's, you know, for some women, it's just the word pussy they don't like. And then others, it's just the idea of um, touching themselves, it might be, or uh, just um, even the idea that sex doesn't have to be penetrative can be triggering for some people. So if there's something that kind of shook you up a little bit, even a tiny bit, there's definitely some thoughts to be, you know, some thinking to be had around that. Oh, I love it. It's like a signpost. That's that's the way you need to start heading, <laughs> discovering what's that about. Yes, why exactly. do I feel, yeah, yeah, why yeah. Do I feel like you're curious? And is that 
something I could unpack a little and discover some other way. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Is there any other last minute things that you feel like compelled to share before we wind up and hmm. um no I don't think so I think I could like go on and on and on but I think that <laughs> we could be exhausting the listeners um yeah there's so much in this area there's just like layers and you know every woman that I see every man as well comes to me for something slightly different it's also nuanced um you know, some come to me and they don't, we don't talk about sex at all. It's all about relationship and others it's all about pelvic floor health and others it's more of the mix of the three or two or, you know, pleasure. And a lot of women really just want to feel in their flow and that can encompass, you know, physical, mental, emotional, somatic, all the, all the work. So, yeah. And I guess that's a, a reminder too, it's all interwoven, isn't it? Like the quality of your relationships will be reflected in how you relate to your pelvic floor as well and how you absolutely. Yeah. So mm. where you might think, oh, why am I focusing on this? Remember that it might flow through and really support other parts of your your relationships and sex life and pleasure and yeah, any work you do on yourself has a ripple effect. And not just in yourself and your relationships, but on the world, I believe. Like it really does. Yeah, it's kind of what we're here to do is work on ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And why don't we make it fun and demystify all these beautiful sacred parts of our body? So I hope listening to us today has allowed you to kind of, yeah, shine some light on it, get some awareness about it and potentially open it up in a new way. Let's keep connected. Follow me on social media, Facebook or Instagram at Penny Vandersloos or register for my emails or check me out on my website, pennyvandersloos.com, P-E-N-N-Y-V-A-N. D-E-R-S-L-U-I-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it and review it on your preferred podcast platform, especially if you liked it. A five-star review would be awesome.